Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Alami podcast, Change Your Company. I'm excited to have this conversation today with my guest, William Bust. Hi, William. Hello, Fred. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Uh, William, you've been working for over 30 years now with leaders across the world um, to help them to create better workplaces, to help them um, get promoted, maybe, uh, to build also business that they would be proud of and to be intentional about that. What do you see from working with these leaders? What do you see the biggest challenges today when it comes to creating uh, great, inspiring, high-performing workplaces? Uh, it's a great question. I think there are two main areas that I, I think leaders are really struggling with uh, at some level uh, every day. Uh, the first of those is developing their own skills and talent so that they can be the best individual leader that they can be. But also the second one is, is very much around uh, engaging with their team. And since the pandemic, quite often that team is dispersed and remote and working from home some of the time. And so building team spirit and creating a, a unifying collective endeavor is I think much harder than it was a few years ago and of course the pace of everything has speeded up as well so you know there's that time pressure that that we're all under all the time too yeah what do you think is a big difference today when it comes to um, driving this team spirit when it comes to working virtually and what advices do you give usually to leaders when it comes to this well, I think this comes back to, you know, I've written the book that's called Intentional Mastery. It's very much about intentions, but it's also about the, the mastery element. And that, to me, is a, a journey. When people join our businesses, are very new to the team. They don't know anything. They, you know, they don't know what is meant to happen yet. They have to be given that knowledge. Then they are novices in my language, and that means they're likely to make a, a lot of mistakes, and that's okay because they're learning. The novices become practitioners, and the practitioners are people who can do a really good job, but they can easily be thrown if the context changes. So, you know, whilst they may do a great job with most customers, you get a customer who comes from a slightly different angle and they haven't had that experience. So, things can still go wrong sometimes. But as they build their experience, they become experts. And ultimately, when we bring uh, the insights that expertise in other areas of the business can help them with, they'll master what they do and become the very best that they can be at it. And I think yeah. as leaders, our job is to recognize not just that the team need to be brought together and work out how they work together, but also that each member of the team is at a different part of that journey. So for some people, they need knowledge. For others, they need practice and skills training. For others, more experience is the best thing they can have. And if we try to give the wrong thing, you know, if we try to give people experience when they don't have the knowledge or the skill, we're wasting our time because they, they're not learning from that. And equally, if we spend time with people who need experience, giving them additional knowledge, you know, we just confuse them. So that I think a big part of leadership mastery is about being able to recognize in each of our team members what support do they need right now. And when a leader gets that right, then the team suddenly performs so much better. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, this is something which is when I work with leaders, um, the idea of if you want to help them become the best they could be, the idea of practice. And you mentioned about knowledge versus practice versus ex, you know uh, experience. Um, but overall, I mean, where do you see that knowledge would be helpful? Because for me, that I I sometimes I like to compare it with learning how to swim, you know, like leadership is like, and, and, and the metaphor I like to use is that like, you know, some, some people, they put them in a room and they tell them like, okay, if you want to swim, you need to do this and that. And, and basically keep them for a couple of months or maybe a year talking about the theory of water and, you know, like floating and all this. And then they put them at, at one point, maybe then when they have their role, uh, they, they push them in the water and it's a little bit too late. So, What's your view on this? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good analogy. And uh, I, I have a friend who uh, runs tri or takes part, because not just running, uh, takes part in triathlons. You know, so there's swimming, running, and cycling. And uh, she's one of the best uh, in her age group in the country, fabulous, fabulously skilled. But one of the things that she talks about is this focus, the intentionality you need to improve. So if you, if you do all your swimming practice in a swimming, swimming bath, in a pool, and then you go out to do the first stage of a triathlon, which might be in open water with big waves and things, it's a very different environment. And so yeah. things can go, go wrong very quickly. And I think in the business context, we're quite often, we're teaching people the knowledge they need to do the job in a very sterile, you know, like the swimming pool, and then we throw them into the, the business and expect them to perform. And we've actually thrown them into the open water with the waves and the wind and all of those other things that, that play on it. So I think one of the skills of a great leader is to being able to recognize, I say, that the knowledge that people need, but just enough knowledge so they can cope with the conditions they're going to find themselves in rather than the knowledge that you would get out of a textbook. You know, it's very different. And... You know, kind of when people are struggling because they found themselves in deeper water than they expected or however we want to extend that analogy, that we're there as leaders to support them and help them and, and make sure they know that they're safe, that there is that, you know, yes, you can make mistakes and it's okay because we'll, we'll put them right, we'll make it, make it all work as long as you've got the space to teach the, the right stroke to use in that choppy water rather than the stroke they've learned in the swimming bath. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's something for me which is, you know, usually I kind of try to put them in situations which are very real in a way, like actually make them work on real projects which would improve the business in a certain way. And uh, because then it's a very real life situation. I mean, I remember once I was at IMD Business School in Lausanne, in Switzerland, and uh, I was taking a, a course about case study teaching by a professor, and and I told him, look, um, I don't use case study uh, usually, but uh, I I give like the leaders and the talents a real situation or project to make them work on it to improve it. And uh, so, what do you think about that? And what he told me, he said, look. What's better than case studies is you give people like real cases, you know, that uh, because at the end it doesn't, it, it cannot get be more real than that. The case studies is a little bit like 
uh, as much as it's real, but um, something happened in the past. And so it has, I mean, when you have something present, which has a lot of dynamics to shape it, etc., then it becomes more demanding in a way. Yeah, oh, very much so. And I, you know, I, I'm a real believer that part of this journey to mastery is about that real experience, not the, yeah. not the kind of textbook made up case study experience. That has its place. It's useful when you're learning at the very early stages. But as soon as you've got to the point of somebody who's you know a practitioner becoming an expert, they need the real experience. They need to see, they need to be looking customers in the eye if they're customer facing and seeing the reactions that they're getting and reflecting on that and saying, you know, and then going back and, and getting good critique from you as a leader. You know, this is what I said, this is what the reaction was, uh, you know, and that, I don't feel like that worked very well. And then having a conversation around, well, what else could you have said? What reaction might that have had? And maybe doing some role play around those different scenarios after the event, when you've got that real experience to sit as a foundation, you can then do role playing to try out different ways. And, and that learning is very, because it's very real, it tends to be very sticky as well. I mean, yeah. you, remember it, you remember it for a long time. Absolutely. Um, I mean, tell us a little bit about, in your work, like what's, what have you seen the most impactful like practices or development that uh, when you gave it to leaders or talents that they've grown a lot? Like, what do you, what do you focus on? And, and tell us examples about in your work, yeah. Sure. Um, so I, I worked recently with a, a training company and they were uh, bringing on a new senior management team. It was a family business and the family were uh, taking a, a step somewhat back, not completely out of the business, but stepping back from the day-to-day -day running of the business. And they'd identified four people within the business to act as a senior management team. And I worked with them because they, they hadn't really worked together before and they certainly hadn't had the authority to make you know the long-term business decisions at the top end of the business. And uh, the interesting thing with that dynamic there was that they all had their roles. You know, there was a salesman, there was somebody from finance, there was an operations person and a marketing person. And, you know, they all knew those roles really well, but they were a little bit in a silo. And uh, when we first started working, there was things that the finance person knew that the salesperson needed to know but didn't know and so on. So we, we really started thinking back to what are the talents of these individuals, not what's their job title. You know, so the finance person, sure, they understood numbers and spreadsheets and money and all of those things. But they were also interested in, uh, you know, the dynamics of leadership and, and how they could develop and motivate their team, and as did some of the others. And so by getting them to talk about the talents they had, not just the ones in their silo, in their job title, but the ones they had that were supportive of everybody in that team, then the workload started to shift. And sometimes things that the finance person needed to get done were done by the marketing person because they had the talent to do that part of the work. And it, over time, that understanding of each other 
meant that they be, they kind of did get the real benefits of synergy. You know, the old adage about the, the sum of the parts is greater than the uh, is greater than the individual value, and that was very clearly true. But it was true because they were open and transparent, not just of what they were good at, and not just at what they were charged with delivering, but also what they didn't enjoy and what they were not as good at. Um, and you know, nobody was judging that; they were just accepting of it. And as a result, when you know when a project came along, they divvied up the work in a way that played to their strengths, played to their ability, um, and collectively, rather than in the old days when one of them would have struggled with parts of it and done other parts well, now they did it collectively. They, they did all the parts well. Mm. And a key part of that learning was that, you know, we're all told to look at our strengths and weaknesses, particularly as leaders. You quite often see this in, you know, think about your strengths and your weaknesses and, and focus on the weaknesses and try to make them stronger. Well, I completely disagree. I think we should focus on our strengths and make them even stronger, really master the strengths and become the very best at the things we are really good at and really enjoy because we can always get support from the rest of the team for the things that we're not good at and allow mm -hmm. them to do those things when they really enjoy them and are really strong at them. And then collectively, we're playing to everybody's strengths rather than trying to lift both the strengths and the weaknesses. That's great uh, insight, and uh, I think it's something that uh, our listeners would be able to uh, benefit from and apply, which is like being open about strengths and also weaknesses, and and then aligning the work in a way with our strengths. and And I think, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that this conversation created a lot of trust at the workplace and. And improve improve like the collaboration significantly, which would improve, of course, the results and the performance. Yeah, it is, and it does take because it's about trust. It does take a little bit of time uh, for it to develop and to grow. But you're right; it's that level of trust builds, particularly when people are, are vulnerable around their weaknesses and, and expose that to others in the in the team. I think there's a you know, certainly we're, you know, I'm in the UK and certainly there's a kind of British attitude of, of you know, the stiff upper lip and we have to not show that we're not good at some of these things. And, and I just think it's such a shame because when you are vulnerable and expose those to people, they reach out to help rather than reaching out to criticise. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and especially if we are, we are in a leadership position, what we could do is... Uh, we can have someone in our team who could complement basically the areas, you know, where we are we are weak or maybe we resist or we don't enjoy. Like, let's say I'm a, I'm a head of marketing, right? And and basically I don't like creating reports. And, and then I would have someone in my team who creating reports and I would focus on the creative stuff, right? So, and I think that that's the advantage. Uh, but I really like your approach in a way like, I mean, the fastest way is being transparent and open, you know, like, and, and the most effective way, like you're going around it and trying to cover uh, my weakness, you try to, try to cover your weakness, it just, it will not lead to a good work working place. No, it, it really doesn't. And, uh, you know, I'm really keen that the listening, you know, your listeners think hard about what is it 
that they're maybe kind of keeping quiet about because they don't want people to to judge their what they know isn't their best work and you know maybe just make a quiet commitment to go and talk to two or three people in their team and ask for them which of them is best at that thing that you're not good at and you know kind of cut a deal with them to say look maybe we can help each other here and if I get some of this work can I pass it to you because I know you enjoy it and what can I take off your hands to give you the space to do that yeah. uh, those conversations are fabulous when they happen of course absolutely and, and again like the openness it will I mean once you open up it forces everyone else to open up in a way. Maybe it will take a little bit of time, but at the end you have very open, and 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 this openness actually will have a ripple effect on openness about the challenges that the company is facing, about challenges that the customer is, you know, having, and we need to address it. And instead of trying to cover it, no, it's not, uh, you know, it's not because of me. No, it's, we did like the right thing. It's like no, no. We made a mistake collectively. We made a mistake, and we need to adjust this. So that's the level of openness, which would yeah. be. Yeah, and I think we can. You know, you can spend a lot of time doing a kind of when something does go wrong. You can spend a lot of time thinking about the causes of that, and the uh, you know trying to work out what who was at fault. And all of that is pointless. The the only question I think we need to ask is how do how do we learn from it? How do we make sure that doesn't happen? for the next customer. Of course, you've got to put it right for the customer that's had the bad experience and, and you know, would expect everybody is doing that anyway. But the, the kind of dissection that some companies go into when there's a problem, in order to point a finger and say, oh, it was William's fault or Mark's fault or, you know, and, and, and blaming somebody, as opposed to what can we do differently? How can we redesign what we do so that, that doesn't happen? Or what training does somebody need so that they, they have the experience to be able to do this better next time? Yeah. You know, it's, it's what the aviation industry has done for years after all, you know, it's, it's, yeah. and it works. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a, I mean, maybe just to kind of uh, reflect on my own journey, like when I was in the corporate world, and, you know, the, I was doing work which is, I didn't enjoy that much. And uh, and then I kind of found what I really wanted to do, which is doing organizational development, like this kind of program, which blend um, learning and development with business improvement and collaboration work. So when I when I was in the in the corporate world, and I, I I realized what I really wanted to do, which I enjoy. I mean, I felt that that would be like would bring me joy in a way. So I started to kind of uh, talk to senior leaders. And um, and at one point I had one opportunity, and and basically at, with time I transitioned into that role, uh, and you know and that was that was it in a way that from that day on like everything started to be completely different. I I, I was enjoying you know I'm I'm going to work every day because I wanted to go and I was enjoying it so much. So and and this is the thing which is you know it's gradually you can also align. What you what you do is what you value and your strengths in a way, 
and and then it will give you satisfaction i think and and then you will become of course more successful because you are interested in getting better at it because you you like what you do you believe in what you do right and and that's at the heart of what i mean by intentional mastery yeah yeah and and the the third the books in three sections and the third section is called mastering joy uh Uh, yeah I really believe if we don't enjoy what we do, we are never going to be the best we could be at it. Um, it but when we enjoy it, it becomes, it's no longer work. It's just something that we, we want to spend time doing. We want to spend time getting better at doing. Um, and we put in the effort in order to know more, to have more experience, to have better skills, and to have the insights that we can bring to bear on what we do. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I cannot agree more. Which is the, the the joy is is should be part of it. And I think the more we can, you know, make this as a priority or of importance uh, in the workplace, the more we can have successful workplace and, of course, fulfilled leaders and talents. Um, my final question to you is: What's one piece of advice you would like to pass to to leaders? Uh, I think, first of all, be honest with yourself uh, about what you are good at and are honest with yourself about where you still have development to do. Because um, I'm a work in progress. Um, you know, I've been uh, in business for a long, long time, but I'm still learning and developing and thinking about what else do I need in order to be better tomorrow than I am today. And mm. that hunger to continue to develop your own skills and experience and insight uh, will serve you well for uh, the rest of your working life. So it's uh, if, if you do that reflection, you will be a better leader tomorrow than you are today. Absolutely. And I think this is the spirit of uh, like the journey in a way that I've been on and, and the, the work that I've been driving. And I'm sure that you are, you are helping a lot of leaders in, to go on that journey. Uh, I think what's, what's great about it is that it's fulfilling, you know. It's it's it, it will give you joy with every step you take on that journey. I mean, people think that when I when I reach the destination, I will feel happy, but actually, the journey is is a joy in a way. So, yeah, um, yeah. it's yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I've always said that mastery is not something. It's not a destination. It is a journey, uh, and the joy comes from seeing that you are still developing and seeing the things that you learn from as, as the journey goes on. Um, yeah. And, you know, these days I have a lot of fun and I suspect, you know, um, from our conversation, I think that you probably do too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, is there any advice for junior leaders or aspiring leaders? Uh, yeah, I think find the people... Look for a great mentor, somebody who's got the experience that you want to build on, uh, who's worked perhaps in the area you have, so has that knowledge and skill, uh, and spend time with them to understand what you need to do and let them understand you a bit and be able to advise you. always think we shouldn't look up to the leaders that we want to emulate. We should look into them uh, and mm. spend time getting to know them as individuals and, and understand their journey um, and that will help you on yours that's a great uh, and uh, i mean i've been lucky to have a lot of mentors and i think we need the mentors we need we need them we need like people who see the bigger picture and and for me is like the power of working with someone 
um, you know, you, 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 who inspire you in a way that they will help you develop the character. And I think the character is what's what you are after in a way. And 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 this is when you work with someone like this who is uh, in the place that you would like to be, or at least uh, knows it more than you do. I, it's very powerful. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, William, thank you so much for being with us today. I think the journey you are on is um, very aligned with the journey what uh, on the purpose of this podcast, which is helping the leaders become the best they could be and uh, making the biggest impact they could make. So thank you so much. An absolute pleasure and lovely to talk to you today. Thank you. And for all the listeners, uh, stay inspired and make the biggest impact you could make, not only within your area of responsibility, but beyond it. Bye. Bye.